Would you pray with me? Holy One, lover of souls, we pray that you encounter us this day. Amen. I saw a perfect shooting star for the first time in my life this past Wednesday night. I saw the whole process. I watched as it appeared the dazzling streak of light and then watched it disappear all within a matter of seconds. In the past, I've only ever seen the very tail end of a shooting star, which always led me to question with whether I actually saw a shooting star. Wednesday's encounter was unmistakable. It was the biggest, clearest, closest shooting star I've ever seen. And it just so happened that it was right over my house as I was taking the trash to the curb. This might seem like an insignificant connect this might seem like an insignificant coincidence to most of you, but that's because you don't know about my personal awakening about the night sky these past couple months. So hear me out. I have always known that our sun is a star. What was never made clear to me until a few months ago was that pretty much all stars are suns, suns of different sizes and intensities. So it's not hyperbole when I say that this news, that all stars, our suns, landed like a thunderbolt in my soul. Because if stars are suns, then that means when I'm looking at the night sky, I'm not just looking at these burning balls of gas as I once thought. I'm seeing a sky full of suns. And for me, I, I can't explain it, but it's had this profound effect on how I view everything almost. My night sky is now so much more than it once was. My night sky is full of suns. I've only begun to think about the significance of this. And it's not lost on me that this has always been true, but now I know it. I get why the church accused Galileo of heresy, changing the shape of the universe and having our place in it shrink or rather be right-sized is really unsettling to say the very least. Which is why the other night I was looking at the night sky on trash night because now I'm a person who does this. I'm a person who takes the opportunity to look at the night sky whenever I can and ask questions and ponder its mysteries in new ways. Which leads me to the most basic observation of all time. The other night, I saw a shooting star for no other reason than because I was actually looking at the sky. How many shooting stars have I missed? because I wasn't even looking at the sky. That shooting star, it felt like a wink from the creator. Like, Aha, Amy, your eyes are open. You're looking, just you wait. This is just the beginning and you haven't seen anything yet. This phrase, this is just the beginning and you haven't seen anything yet. Does that sound familiar? This is pretty much the exact message that Jesus shares with Nathaniel in this week's gospel. 
Just you wait, Nathaniel, because you haven't seen anything yet. When I think about Nathaniel, I'm a little jealous. I, I need to see shooting stars and the heavens in new ways. Nathaniel just needed Jesus to see him under a fig tree to get that something momentous was happening. What about Nathaniel makes him able to see with such clarity, even in the midst of just ordinary life? Why did he have eyes to see Jesus as the son of God after such a simple encounter with him? Well, the text tells us it's because Nathaniel was looking for the son of God. John's gospel tells us that Nathaniel and his friends we're looking, and how do we know this? Because Philip greets Nathaniel by exclaiming, we found him. We found him about whom Moses in the law and the prophets wrote. So it's not a stretch to claim that Nathaniel was able to see God, to see Jesus as the son of God rather quickly because Nathaniel was looking for nothing less than the son of God. He was looking for something extraordinary, for something that made his soul come alive. He was looking, expecting that God would keep God's promise. And so when Jesus showed up, Nathaniel had already been on the lookout. His eyes were already open and he was able to see Jesus for who he was. This happens time and again in life, whether it be shooting stars in the night skies or love made manifest when we seek it out. When our eyes are open to something, when we are looking for it, we often find it. Seeing the long-awaited Son of God, seeing a shooting star, these are things one longs to see. What about when the thing that comes into view is something we had not wished to see? For million for millions upon millions of Americans, the insurrection at the Capitol last week was a sight both expected and unexpected at the same time. How did we expect America's dance with white supremacy to play out? Can anyone, anyone really be surprised that a violent worldview founded on domination and dehumanization propelled a bunch of angry, entitled people to storm a legislative body that threatens them with talk of liberty and justice for all. Not if your eyes are open. The storming of the Capitol was a heartbreaking, soul-shaking, eye-opening event in the psyche of America. And as painful as it was, that was also a gift. For the first time in a long time, we are all looking at the night sky together. All across this country, a greater majority than ever before is saying, I see it. White supremacy is alive and well and poses a grave danger to all that we hold most dear. With his characteristic clarity and clear-eyedness, Ibram Kendi summed up the moment we now find, find ourselves in in September's issue of The Atlantic. He writes, the America that denied its racism through the Obama years has struggled to deny its racism through the Trump years. 
It has become harder in the Trump years to blame black people for racial inequity and injustice. It has also become harder to tell black people that the fault lies with them and to urge them to improve their station by behaving in an upstanding or respectable manner. In the Trump years, the problem is obvious and it isn't black people's behavior. Friends, for the first time in a long time, our eyes are looking in the same direction and we can see. This is what the gospel is about. This is good news, even if it's really hard. There are those who would profess that our country is in shambles and that all hope has been lost. I say nothing can be further from the truth. Hope has not been lost. Hope is being found. We cannot address what ails us if we cannot acknowledge it. We cannot change course. We cannot correct wrongs if we are unwilling even to utter the wrong's existence. These days, pundits, politicians, school children, they are shouting what ails us from the raptors. So will we listen? Will we see? My friends, I will say we are listening and we are looking and seeing in ways that we never have before. So as much as today hurts and hurts, it does. I believe we are in a good place. Ibram Kendi goes on to say in this article and lays out the possibilities and he names the moment that we are in. And he ends his article in this way. Americans can realize that they are at a point of no return. No returning to the bad old habit of denial. No returning to cynicism. No returning to normal. The normal in which racist policies defended by racist idea, I, defended by racist ideas lead to racial inequities. The abolition of slavery seemed as impossible in the 1850s as equality seems today. But just as the abolitionists of the 1850s demanded the immediate eradication of slavery, immediate equality must be the demand today. Abolish police violence, abolish mass incarceration, Abolish the racial, racial wealth gap and the gap in school funding. Abolish barriers to citizenship. Abolish voter suppression. Abolish health disparities. Not in 20 years, not in 10 years, now. The time we live in is pregnant with possibility, friends. This is not a time for hand-wringing or despair. This is a time for us to hope, to pray, to be the change we wish to see. May we have eyes to see the moment for what it is and the courage to not look away. Amen. <laughs>